0: Go in and kind of pull in a little bit deeper and take it section by section and see if you can't find yourself in that. And I'm going to use the the microphone tonight just because my voice is not where it should be at and I won't be screaming or nothing like that tonight, but we want to go into this and just kind of explain what God is doing. So let's look at 1 Kings chapter number 17, 1 Kings chapter number 17. If you have an opportunity in the next little while, uh, read the, the book of First Kings starting in chapter 16 toward the end when Ahab comes into power. Read it all the way through to the end of Kings, uh, First Kings, and then go into Second Kings until Elijah is taken up in the whirlwind. And we're going to kind of be studying on this a little while because I believe that God is calling his church for this particular ministry at this hour so we're going to read the first kings chapter number 17 if you have any questions tonight stop me and let me know i'll try to answer them because i definitely want you to find out where you are in the spiritual realm chapter 17 verse 1 says and elijah the tishbite who was of the inhabitants of gilead said unto ahab as the lord god of israel liveth before whom i stand There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and he did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and fish in the morning, and bread and fish in the eat flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. So we have looked at the historical setting that formed the spiritual and the moral environment and what Elijah was called by God to step into and to minister with. And it was at such a time uh, that, that we have, just like we do today, where the foundations of law and order has basically been systematically dismantled in the nation. We're seeing our nation just like it was going on in Elijah's time. The conditions are more grotesque, it seems like, on a daily basis. And we need to begin to really go before the Lord and find out where our place is in it and what God wants us to do with that. Each and every day, it seems like it brings to us another tragedy or another disaster. All you got to do is turn on the news. When you turn on the news, it's almost constantly that you hear of a murder here or a murder there. You hear about a serial killer being caught. You hear about mass killings or... There's been some corporate fraud going on or there's some things going on in the political arena. It seems like all is going crazy. And if you really want to, to see that there is evidence of a moral and a spiritual breakdown, all it takes for you to do is just listen or read the newspaper or go online and pull up the headlines. And you'll see very quickly that the breakdown of moral society the breakdown of spiritual society here in our world is beginning to come and come faster than we can ever could even imagine in our life to the point to where we are actually having the christian heritage being rejected nobody here in america that's pushing this gospel of of hell is even want to acknowledge that our founding fathers were christians And a lot of them don't even want to acknowledge the fact that most of our families, when we come over from from Europe, we came over here as as slaves, religious slaves, because they were trying to get us out of the country and hoping that we would die before we got over here. So it's really important that we begin to kind of bring back together and lay it parallel to parallel what's going on with Elijah in his time and what's going on with us right now. So like Elijah, we have been living in a time that's really tough. But on top of all that, you've been called by God in this time to serve God and minister in such a time as this. You've been called to go forward and to stand for the glory of Almighty God and stand for the right things that God would want you to do. So here we pick up where Elijah has came and appeared now, and he appeared before the king, and his appearance was sudden. I want you to understand that what God is about to do is going to happen suddenly. You might want to write that down and put it in your notes. His appearance was actually dramatic, and it was sudden. And the message that he preached was really short, and it was to the point. He didn't go around his elbow to get to his thumb. He didn't think about anybody's feelings. When he stood forth to do what God wanted him to do. He cunning kind of stood before the most powerful fellow in the land. And he leveled with Ahab. And he laid it all on the line. In other words, he told him the truth. I believe today that the world is out there searching for the truth. Can you say amen? And I believe that we are the ones that has the absolute truth with that. This man, Elijah, was a man of courage. And if you're going to do what God wants you to do in the last days, you're going to have to have some courage. So you're either going to have to woman up or man up because it's not going to be an easy task. On top of that, you're going to have to have some faith with God. Amen? On top of that, you got to be like Elijah. you got to be a man or a woman of prayer. So as we go through this, I want you to start looking at yourself. Do a self-study of yourself. See if you need God to give you the courage that you need to be able to stand up to some folks. Stand up to the schoolhouse. Stand up to the politicians. Stand up to even people in your family whether you need to have your faith increased by God, whether you need to hear more of the Word of God, you need to study the Word more and hear preachers preach more so that you can have more faith and whether or not you need to pray more. How many would agree that the church really needs to pray a whole lot more than what we've been praying? Amen? On top of all of that, you've got to be available for the Lord to use you. There's a lot of people that are... Uh, uh, christians that are anointed they are gifted and they have the talents and the ability to do what god wants them to do but they're not available right now a lot of them are just like the seven thousand prophets that were hid in the cave the hundred that obadiah hid in the cave they see what's going on and they want to get out of the situation they don't want to go in and stir the pot in any kind of way so you have to be a man or a woman of courage You've got to have a, man, a faith in man, a steadfast faith in not yourself, but in the God that you serve, amen? And you've got to be a man or a woman of prayer so that you know the God that you serve, and you've got to be willing and available to do what God wants you to do, amen? Boy, if we could get that right there in the church, we'd be happy with it, amen? We've got to be willing to level with people and tell them the truth. One thing that people say about me is, hey, man, he don't hold no punches. He'll tell you exactly how it is. And a lot of times when you tell me the truth exactly how it is, I don't like it too good myself either. So what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Amen? Hmm. So he was available and he was willing to go forward and do the calling of God with the entire foundations of society was crumbling down around him. You know, what we wind up doing a lot of times is when things start going bad, we look at it and we talk about it and we point out what's wrong, but we never are willing to go forward and do what God wants us to do. We'll allow it to crumble down around us and never do what God wants us to do. We're like the other prophets that go and hide in that cave. We want somebody else to keep us supported. We want someone else to feed us. We don't want to be the one that stands up to get anything changed. And we live in a time just like Elijah lived in in his time how many would agree that the culture in this world right now has run so far away from God that the only thing that's going to bring it back to God is God himself amen We have turned away from the attributes of God. We do not want to hear God's Word in general. The politics don't want to have God in it. Nobody wants to mention Christianity in nothing anymore. The school system don't want to teach it anymore. No one wants to go forth and stand forth for the attributes of God. If they stand for any attribute, they'll stand for the fact that God is a God of love and mercy but He's not a God of judgment. They won't stand for that. So we've turned away 100%. The United States of america has turned 180 degrees away from the attributes of god and slowly and surely the word of god is being taken out not only of the institutions in the world but it's been taken out of our own family and our own daily life and we need to get back there amen relativism and humanism literally has been preached and every foundation now has been taken over by humanism and we're sitting out there and to the point the church has set back watching all this happening and the new age philosophy has came into the church and started taking the church over And I'm telling you, we're in the very onslaught of a showdown between God and all these false religions. And it's about to happen, and you better get ready for it. Can you say amen? Divorce rate has gone crazy in the world. It's the highest it's ever been. Drug, crimes in the street, all of this stuff that's going on. Corporate America literally is going out in complete fraud. Everything is just literally happening where it goes all the way back into the time when God looked on the face of the earth in Genesis and he said, everything that I saw was violence was everywhere. How many of you now, right, many years ago when you were born and you lived and they left your car doors open, they they left your your house open, they left the windows open, now you are in the house with the door locked and the alarm system on. Scared to death is someone is going to come in and take something or do something to us. And we are at a point now where violence is literally increasing. The Bible tells us that that's going to happen before the great notable day of the world. Right now, abortion is commonplace. Uh, Everybody now is literally about to fight. Last night, I don't know if you watched the State of the Union, but as he mentioned things about abortion, we had all these people that just jumped up and, and, and literally clapped before the opportunity to be able to kill a baby. I'm here to tell you. God is getting sick of it and He's getting sick of it to the point where there is going to be a clash and a showdown and God's going to win And when it's all said and done. Amen? Now I want to share with you the church is not a militant church. The church is an overcoming triumphant church. But we have a militant gay movement that is moving on the church to try to destroy the church and it is time for the church to stand on the victory and the law and the commands and the morality of Jesus Christ himself. Amen. The accord is getting stronger every day while New Age is coming into our worship services and it's going to be uh, one thing that's going to have to happen and it's our reaction that is going to be paramount. If we continually sit back and let all this happen, then the spirit and the power of Elijah is going to be squashed by the enemy and we're going to lose this nation and we're going to lose the generation behind us. But if we'll react in the right way and we'll begin to get concerned for the glory of God, we get concerned for morality, we get concerned for our church, we get concerned for our nation, we get concerned for our family, we get concerned for our own self and the morality that there is out in the world today. And we just make a decision that we're not going to go in the cave and we ain't going to hide no longer, that we're coming out in the power of Almighty God. God is going to place the anointing that He placed on Elijah and on John the Baptist and on Moses, on his church for one last time and God is going to straighten up his church. Can the church say amen? Amen. So we are full the church is full of excuses of why we can't do this. I'm sure as you sit down and you talk with people and how everything is going in life they'll tell you well you know it's bad and it's really bad and it makes me sick to my stomach and all this stuff but what can we do about it? We're only just a small group or we're just one person. What can we do about it? The first message I preached on this was, hey, you can do something about it. So tell your neighbor here tonight, say, you can do something about this. And the more of us get together in one accord and in unity against this thing, and we pray against it, we study against it, we pray for the same thing. God said when two are touching, agreed on any one thing, it shall be done in the name of Jesus Christ. So we're not standing here asking God to do something extraordinary. We're just asking God to come in and, and, and fight the battle for us so that we can go forward for Him to use us in the power of God. Amen. But in order for us to do that, we have got to become kind of like Elijah. So you've got to start developing the heart, and the spirit, and the desire of Elijah. And I've already read to you Elijah and how he began to appear. But turn with me real quick. Keep your finger in James, I'm sorry, in in 1 Kings chapter number 17. But I want you to go over to James chapter number 5. James chapter 5. I want you to see something about Elijah that's very important. Verse number 16 through 17. When you have that, say amen. I'll wait on you a moment. James chapter number 5, verse 16 and 17. You have it? Say amen. Amen. And the word says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. I want you to look at your neighbor now before we go any further and say, hey, I need to be healed. Find another and say, hey, I need to be healed. Here's how you get healed. You confess your faults one to another, and you pray one for another.
1: Then it says,
0: the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much.' James had a nickname called Old Camel Knees. That meant he prayed a whole lot. And he began to speak about the effectual fervent prayer, the the, the right praying prayer of a man's heart that is on fire avails much. And then he begins to tell us about Elijah and how Elijah was. He said, Elijah was a man that was subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years in six months. So when, when Elijah first appeared in 1 Kings chapter number 17, he wasn't dropped out of the sky. God had a preparation for him and God began to minister to him on his heart. He was a man that had courage, a man that had faith in his God. He was a man that was willing and able to go forth and do something in the middle of a time when the foundations was all falling. And the Bible says that he prayed about things for a long time before he ever went to uh, Ahab and said it's not going to rain and if you notice when he told Ahab he said it's not going to rain all he was doing is telling what Deuteronomy chapter number 11 said about a nation that would turn away from God if you wouldn't pay attention to God God said I'll withhold the rain from you and I'll prove to you that I'm God he said if you don't follow my commandments then all these curses are going to come upon you so Elijah has been in prayer with the Lord and somewhere down the road he had heard God speak to him and he said because the nation of Israel has turned away from me and will not hear my word he said they will not repent he said I am going to stop the rain and I want you to go before Ahab and tell Ahab that it's not going to rain so he got himself in a position to where he could hear the spirit of the Lord talking to him how many of you here know when God talks to you here tonight without a shadow of a doubt you know when God speaks to you We need to be in a position to where we understand and know when it's God that's talking to us. Now look back at this where he says in verse 17. He said he was subject to like passions just like we are. He 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 was felt good today, he felt bad tomorrow. He had some, he had a high times, he had low times, he ebbed and he tied. He was more strong at other times and more driving at other times. He was ready to go at times and other times. He didn't want to do anything. A lot of the times he was depressed. He felt like he was all alone. But he got into a position as he prayed to the Lord, he got a revelation from God that God God said, I'm about to do something about it. And now when God's about to do something about it, he says, I'm willing to do what you want me to do, God. Amen. How many here tonight would say, I'm willing, Lord, for you to do what I need to do, what you need to do. Amen. So he said that he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Then it says, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he that converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sin I'm here to tell you tonight God is calling people in his church right now to be the Elijah in the day where the culture and the, the foundations of law and order are falling down around us and he's wanting to know do you hear my voice do you hear my voice because I'm here to tell you there's going to be some hard times for some people in the United States of America because they have Refused to hear what God's had to say. Amen? So let's go back to chapter number 17 of 1 Kings. I want to just give you a few little things because we need to start developing the spirit and the heart of Elijah in our life. We need to begin to be that person that literally has some courage that's bold, that's not backing up, that's speaking the Word of God, that's speaking the power of God and doing what God wants you to do. If God speaks to you, you relate it and speak it. We need to have that in our life. But on top of that, we need to have an unshakable faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that He is with us, that He's not left us, that He's not forsaken us, and He's going to take care of us. Can anyone here tonight say amen? Amen. But on top of all of that now, you got to be available and you got to be willing to do what God wants you to do. So now God is going to try to get us to that point. So tonight we want to see what it's going to take to become the person that is in that position to be anointed by Elijah. First Kings chapter 17, verse number 2. As he is talking to him, he says... Let's go back verse number 1. He said, Elijah the Tishbot, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth. How many of you here tonight know that God's still alive? Amen. It don't matter what's been going on in the world. It don't matter how much, uh, how many places now the devil has, even in our church. It don't matter how much the devil has done in the United States of America. It don't matter how far along he is and he's progressed in his plan. God is still on His throne and He is still alive. Can you say Amen? we got to get convinced that he's still alive, that he is moving in our life, he's moving on this earth, he's been moving in an undercurrent, and he's written things set up so that he can bring this power into the church and he can bring it into the world, and God, we need to stand up and start telling everybody, yes, our God's still alive, he's the same God he was 2,000 years ago, he's the same God he was today, that he looked down on all the violence and all of the wickedness that there was here on this earth, and he hated it, and he had it a horrible to it and he decided that he was going to destroy the earth with a flood we need to start pulling forth and telling everybody everybody to know the attributes of God and all of his characteristics and not hold nothing back amen he said as the Lord God liveth. So he stands in front of the king and he says, As the Lord God liveth. So there's people out there in the culture right now. They are out here worshiping Baal and then coming out and worshiping God. They jump from one opinion and one worship and one religion to another. And Elijah stands up and he said, I got my mind made up and I know that my God's still alive. How many here tonight got your mind made up? You're going home with Jesus after all. Amen. It don't matter what hell does, it don't matter what nobody does, don't matter what hell comes, it don't matter how many comes in, how many times in your family, it comes, take somebody out, you got your faith and your trust in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and you know he's still on the throne and he is still alive. Amen. So he was convinced and he was confident that in God's person. He knew that God was still available. And God, I'm telling you, He is looking for some people in His church right now that's got some faith in Him. My God ain't changed. Amen. My God's still a healing God. Amen. He's still a God that can use a man to lay his hands on the sick and the sick can be recovered. He's still a God that can pull an anointing on a man to where he can walk by somebody that's sick and a shadow can touch him and they can immediately be healed by the power of Almighty God. He's still a God that is still powerful enough to separate the Red Sea. He is a powerful God enough to where he can call down fire from heaven. He has not changed. And we have got to get confident in the fact that he's still present. He's still here. He's still showing. Sure And he's still moving in everybody's life and he wants to have some worship and it's time for us to walk in that confidence. Can the church say amen? Amen. He said, as my Lord, God lives and I stand in front of him. Oh, look at that right beside of you and say, are you living like he's looking at you? (coughs) Many of us don't. We forget the fact that on Sunday when we leave the house of God, that we literally forget that he's still alive. Amen. So Elijah was convinced and he was confident in God's purpose and in God's person. Look at your neighbor and say, are you really convinced? I want you to ask yourself that question. Am I really convinced that God is the same God He was when He spoke this earth into existence? Stop there just a minute and think about it. Is He the same God that when He said, let there be, it became? Is it the same God that if He needed to create anything today, He can still create it? Amen. Is it the same God that can fling out stars out of His hand And they hang out there on the middle of nothing Is it the same God that can say let there be light And light will come into darkness and shine And make darkness run out of it Is it the same God that can literally divide the earth And literally pull up water over the top of us And separate water Is it the same God that can make the dry land appear Is it the same God that can breathe a breath of eternal life And revive a dead carcass And give the power of God in that life is he still the same God that can revive human beings that he was able to do some four, six thousand years ago? Has he changed any at all? Are we confident of that? And if we're confident of that, then we need to stand up and preach it and live it and not back down on it. Can the church say amen? He said, As the Lord God lives. Oh, man, I tell you what, he stood before the strongest and the most powerful fellow of his day and he said there's somebody that's more powerful than you are It is time the church stood up and said, hey, there's somebody more powerful than them transsexuals is out there. There's somebody more powerful than them homosexuals out there. There's somebody more powerful than them them corrupt politicians out there. There's somebody more powerful than the New Age movement out there. There's a God that has not changed and his gospel still is the same and he's not backed up. We've got to get back to the absolute, to the stream of Almighty God and preach the cross and have a confidence and a a confident assurance that God, when we speak, is going to speak back up our words and He's going to do what we speak for Him to do in the name of Jesus. The Bible says we can command His hand and if He is the same God that He was 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago when other people commanded His hand and He done it, you got the power to command His hand. Amen? So the reason why this world's in the in is because we don't believe that God is the God that we say that He is. If we really truly believe that He was the God that we said that He was, then I tell you, hell would never be able to cause any type of issue in your life. Hell would never be able to get you depressed. Hell would never be able to get you to throw your hands up and quit. Hell would never be able to get you to go in the cave and to hide from the devil. I want to tell you tonight, we got to have a boldness come into the church of Almighty God by the breath of Almighty God to breathe on a dead carcass and raise a church back up and get them ready to fight against the enemy. And God said the way I'm going to do that Is I'm going to pour out the spirit And the power of Elijah on a person That wants to do something for me I just want you to tap that beside of you And say are you available for him tonight Amen So Elijah was convinced And he was confident in God We need to start living our life Like we're convinced in God The Bible says that this plague Will not come nigh our dwelling Amen The Bible says that we are more than a conqueror and that we are not defeated. The Bible tells us that we are God's masterpiece. The Bible tells us that we are prosperous. The Bible tells us that we have the power to heal people. The Bible tells us we got the power to look the devil in the eye and cast him out and to send him to the dry place. God said that we've got the power to rise up and live and walk in the spirit of God away from the flesh. And it's time for the church to start getting back to the holiness and the courage and the faith and the willingness to allow God to use us. Amen. Ask your neighbor again tonight, say, are you available for him in this time? Amen. So number one, he was convinced and he was confident of God. Number two, Elijah was cognizant of God's presence and he was committed as God's representative because he said, as the Lord liveth before whom I stand. He was confident that God was still present. And he was still in the nation. Although nobody didn't pay attention to him, he knew God was still God and he was still around. Amen. It don't matter what the United States of America does, God is still here. Amen. He still is God. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is still in my life. He said, I have not left you and I have not forsaken you. He said, I am here with you and my presence is there. And we got to start living our life like we are living our life before a God that is omnipresent everywhere knowing all, all the time and knowing that we can mess up real fast and allow the glory of God in our life to purify Us so that we can be used by the Lord. Amen. He was literally confident in God's presence, but then he was committed as his representative. Oh, someone say, Help me, Lord. Because a lot of times in life, Elmer, we ain't committed to being his representative we'll be sitting in a place and God move on us and want us to say something that's going on maybe we're in a political arena so we don't want to cause an uproar so we're going to keep our mouths shut this man was committed to being God's representative enough to where he walked into the king's court and he stood right before the king he could have had his head cut off while he was standing there he didn't go by the protocol of the day he opened up his mouth and he said I'm the representative of the Lord God that's still alive and I'm standing before him and at my word there ain't no rain coming down here here on this earth because y'all have not paid attention to God and God is going to get everything right and he's going to get everything right in very quick order and it will be done when I say he's going to get it done. Amen? So he was confident in God's person and he was confident in God's presence and he was committed to being God's representative. So on your job you got to be committed to be God's representative. In your church you need to be committed to be God's representative. You need to represent God. The word represent God means you do what God would have done. Amen. Oh, everybody needs to throw their hand up and say, Lord, help me in that. Amen. The third thing that we can find out about Elijah is Elijah was confident in God's promises. Amen. God had told him, said, you go stand before Elijah and you tell Elijah that there ain't going to be no rain until you say it's going to rain. And he was confident, confident enough to stand up there in front of the whole nation and every government institution that there was and say, this is what thus saith God. We've got to be confident when God says something that is coming to pass, amen. We've got to stand up and quit acting like that the devil's whipped us because God said, when you gave your heart to the Lord, your whole family's going to get saved and you need to start living like that, amen, God said when I healed you, I healed you from the top of your head to your soul, your feet, through the stripes of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we need to start living like that, can somebody in here say amen, Elijah was confident in all of God's promises, amen I, I want to challenge you. Go before the Lord and say, Lord, start showing me your promises in Scripture. The more you see God's promises, the more you're going to see that God is uh, is evident and He's moving and He's moving in your life on a daily basis. God said, I am a God that my promises are gifts and amen. And I'm here to tell you, God has promised this church that He's going to move in this church. He's going to use this church and He's going to use every one of y'all. And I am confident in my God that when He says something, He's going to do it. And He's going to do it regardless of why anybody says it. No matter what it looks like out here, it's what God said, and I'm confident, and I'm a preacher because God said there's not going to be any rain for these three years until I speak it. Said Elijah, and he was confident enough to stand before the king and say, "This is what the saith Almighty God." Amen. So here we have a man that is confident in his God. He's got the courage to stand before the king. He has the faith to stand up and hear the word of God. He's willing. God to use him. He's confident that God is with him. He's confident that God is still alive and he's the same God that he was. He's confident that if the law of God was this way 10 years ago, the law of God is the same way it is today. And he stood up and he said the Bible says because y'all living the way you're living that there's not going to be any rain until I say it's going to rain. And when I say it's going to rain, that's when it's going to rain. I'm sure people laughed him to score and they left him out of the king's court he dropped the message and he done it real quick and he was confident when he walked out that God had got his message across some of y'all, God's got you where you're at just because he needs you to drop a message real quick there's some atheists that some of you working with you need to drop a message with. Amen. There's some people that you talk with and you go around that God just wants you to drop a message every now and again. God just wants you to drop a message in those people's heart. So start dropping that message and when you do be confident that when you drop it God's going to nurse that thing and make sure it's going to come to pass. Amen. Amen. Then after he dropped the message God said now go hide yourself. Turn to that neighbor right beside him and say have you been in hiding? Not a bad thing at that point to be in hiding. You've already been confident that in your God. You've already been confident and you've been committed to being his representative. You're confident that God is present. He's working on it. You got the faith in God. You got the courage to say what you need to say. You're confident and you have faith in his promises and you have delivered the message. And now that you delivered the message, God said, get away from it. Mm. Now, that's the scary part, because sometimes in life, when we deliver a message, we want to go in there and put our hands in it and try to make God do something by our own effort. But God said, when you drop the message, leave it in my hands and let me do it. Amen. So sometimes as we go through the altar of the Lord and we have drop the message in those people's heart, we got to lay, take our hands off of it. Some of us here tonight need to raise our hand and say, Lord, let me take my, my hands off of my family. Let me take my hands off of my job. Lord, let me take my hands off of the other atheists that I'm working with. Lord, let me take my hands off of my grandchildren. I'm giving them 100% to you. And Lord, I'm just going to go in hiding. I'm going to stay here until it's time for me to make another presence, another appearance. And when I do, Lord, I'm going to get right with you if it takes one year two year three year i'm gonna wait on it because i'm confident and i know that you got it worked out for me amen Amen. oh i'm preaching pretty good tonight is that all right so god sends everybody sends him to cherith write this down in your notes cherith is a cutting place the word literally means a separation but it also means a divorce Anybody here ever, any, in your life at any time ever divorced anything? Yes, yes. Have you divorced anything? Yes. Have you ever had anybody divorce you? Yes. You can divorce people without written agreement too, amen? Right. God took him and said, all right, now you delivered the message. Now I want you to get out of this stuff, and I want you to go over here and hide, and now I'm going to separate you, and I'm going to divorce you. In other words, my instrument of my word, hear me now. My instrument of my word, I'm removing from the people. So they'll be aching to hear what they saith say of God. Right. Comes a time, Biddy, in your life that you preached enough. That's right. Comes a time, Janice says, you don't need to say no more. Right. You just need to hush. And, and, and make them feel like that they're literally surprised when they do something other wrong and mama just walks out of the room. Don't say anything about it. You preach to that child too much. Now you preach way more than you've ever should. And now God says, all right, now I'm going to divorce myself from it and I'm going to divorce you from it. I'm taking you out of it. Now believe in me to handle what you have you've delivered. Amen. So now God said, I'm going to take you and I'm going to put you in a situation where I'm going to divorce you and I'm divorcing myself from them and I'm going to cause them to go out there in their life and live their life without me. Oh, now that's a dangerous thing. If you really want your children saved, it's hard sometimes because you reach a point in your life where you got to give them all to God and you got to stop away from it and you got to say, okay, God, it's all on you. I ain't getting in it no more. I trust you, Lord. I'm going to believe on you, Lord. I know, Lord, that you ain't going to kill them. But, Lord, I know they're probably going to have to go down to the lowest point because it adds to the lowest point that the pit man sees Jesus on the cross. So now he says, I'm going to divorce you. I'm going to remove my instrument that can bring the Word of God, that can hear the Word of God, that will obey the Word of God. I'm going to take him out of the picture, and I'm going to hide him over here, and I'm going to make the whole world hunt me down. look at that right beside me there's going to be a posse after you (coughs) people are going to be running down from New York to get a hold of Thelma so that Thelma can tell them a word of the Lord they're going to be hunting for Thelma and they ain't going to be able to find Thelma they're going to be hung for a word of God and ain't going to be able to find it because God's going to get his message across. You've already delivered that message. You said, Lord, why in the world that ain't happening? It's because God's got you in a cherished experience. God is trying to teach you how to live it alone and let God separate you from it, divorce you from it, so that that person can live in a divorce state from God and they don't hear the word of God and when all hell breaks loose in their life, they'll be out there searching for God and it takes a little bit of time for them to finally be broken down in the heart enough to Accept that, and God said, "Leave it alone, and let me take care of you and cheer And you got to have enough of faith in God not to put your hands back in it. Amen. Am I helping anybody tonight? If I'm helping you, do your hand like this. Oh, so get ready! Here comes a posse after you. Amen. Here comes your children after you. Your grandchildren is going to come after you. And when they show up sometime, don't fall for the prey that they, while they're out there looking for you and trying to find you that that might be the time you need to say something. You better wait until you hear the Word of God saying, now you need to go talk to them. There's going to be a lot of false premises that come up to you. I'm sure as Ahab and Obadiah was out there looking for Elijah, they went by him. on how many times. I want to tell you, uh, he had wind up over in Zarephath in that three and a half year period of time and he was right down the street from Jezebel's father. And I'm sure that Jezebel and Ahab went to see Jezebel's father. Every now and occasion they were very rich. They could have went over there. They could have saw Elijah any time, but they went right by him every time. And I'm sure that in that widow's home that Elijah sat there and watched the queen's court go by the house and go to see Fall and go back home and God literally had allowed that to happen but God was telling Elijah it ain't time yet it ain't time yet it ain't time yet, ain't time yet. you wait till I speak to you so there's going to be some false premises that you're going to get that they're ready and they're ready and they're ready but you wait until God's word comes to you amen that's some good word right there y'all need to receive that amen so now here, Elijah's being divorced from the world. And while he's here at Cherith, God's going to put him to a test. Get him ready for Mount Carmel. So turn to out right beside him and say, you've got to pass these tests. Some of you are going to find yourself that you've been here a while and you've been taking these tests. But God... Put Elijah through some tests at, a, at the brook of Cherith. The first thing that he tested him on was God's guidance. In verse, verse number two, he said, The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get from here, or get thee hence, and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook of Cherith that's before Jordan. We got to recognize that we need. God's guidance. We can't do anything in this culture without God guiding and leading and guiding us to do it. Amen. God was literally removing His instruments of the Word from Israel. And He was doing it while He was divorcing Israel. And He was divorcing the world from Elijah. Just like in Amos chapter number 8 verse 11 through 14, He said there was going to be a famine Of the word of God. Listen to me church and listen to me real good. This is prophetic. There's some people that you've been praying for in your life. They've been on your prayer list for a long time. You've been praying for their salvation. And you drop the message. And God is saying there's got to come a famine of the word of God in their life. Before they come finding and seeking out the word of God. So we've got to learn to allow God to cut us away from that. God was chiseling uh, Elijah's character. And what God has been doing is he's been cutting on your character. He's been trying to let you know, hey, you need me to lead, guide you, and direct you in your next move in this matter. Amen? Amen? And that is a test that every child of God will have to go through. Amen? The second thing is the mystery of God's guidance. Because when God starts guiding you, he don't tell you where you're going all the time. Amen. God tells you where to go a step at a time. Here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept. He gives you a little bit at a time. He says, All right, I want you to go to Bladenboro, but he do not tell you what you need to do while you're in Bladenboro. And then after a while, he says, All right, while you're there in Bladenboro, now I want you to go over here to Village Oaks. And while you're there in Village Oaks, he says, Now I want you to go to this apartment building. And then you get to that apartment building, he says, I want you to go to the third apartment over here. And he says, When you get to the door of that third apartment, I want you to find that nine. your old child in there. God gives you His guidance and His leadership one step at the time to see if you will obey Him. I'm helping somebody if you listen to me. God is not going to tell you everything He's going to do with you. He's going to use you and He's going to look at you and He wants to see that you got faith in Him because faith pleases Him and when you take a step in faith obeying Him on one step, God will lead you to the second step. Amen? So don't leave on your journey thinking that you're going to have it all mapped out and you're going to have the picnic basket ready to go and you're going to show up at a place at 6 o'clock in the afternoon and it's all going to be over with. No, God is going to lead you step by step and He's going to do it and carry you from one step to the other just to see if you got enough of faith in Him to believe that He is the God that He says He is, that He's still present, and that He wants you to be His representative in this world. Amen. Gosh, I'm preaching pretty good. Amen. So God said, I'm going to test you in the mystery of my guidance. I'm going to let you live several days without knowing what I'm going to do. I'm sure as Elijah stood up and started preaching or started every day after he gave this message, I'm sure every day God, if he said, Lord, is this today that I go back and say it and is it going to rain? I'm sure he prayed every day, every day, every day. Lord, is this today? Lord, is this today? Lord, is this today? Why is it that God's that way? Well, Jesus explained it to us in the model prayer. He said, give us this day our daily bread. We can't be praying about stuff many, many moons down the road unless we can receive what God's got for us today. you got to learn how to let God feed you on a daily basis. And God is going to test you on His mysterious guidance in your life to see if you would believe Him regardless of what He tells you to do. It'd be kind of wild. Now, I ain't going to say God's going to tell you to do this, but let's say Betty was in Walmart, and all of a sudden God spoke to her and said, I want you to go in the men's bathroom over there, which I don't think God would do that, but let's just say He did. If if she really truly believed in God, she would not doubt. Well, I don't believe that I need to be in that bathroom. She would go ahead over there and do what God told her to do. Amen. Sometimes God would tell you to do some crazy stuff. Amen. The third test that you're going to find is that the plan of God is extremely perplexed. He's not going to tell you everything that He's up to all the time. My God is not a God of detail. Not to you. He's a God of detail out there as He works, but when He goes to minister to you, He is not going to tell you everything that He's going to do. So He's going to test you on the details. Someone say amen. amen. Matter of fact, what He's going to tell you is the plan literally don't make sense. How in the world are you going to be a catalyst for revival with five people? How in the world are you going to be able to build this monstrosity of a church with three people paying tithes? How in the world are you going to be able to do that? But he told him, he said, now I want you to go in here, and here's my player. I want you to go and deliver this message. Now I want you to go and hide yourself in chariot, and I don't want you to preach, although I called you to preach. Yep. Anybody ever had God tell you, shut up? So he told him, he said, I've called you to preach and be my prophet, but I'm going to hide you for three and a half years and you're only going to be able to minister to two people in that three and a half year period of time. Hmm. So God's plan sometimes seems like it ain't going to make no sense. It's just right crazy. When you really look at it, it looks like it ain't going nowhere. Amen? Am I helping anybody? Then we have a test of God's promise and his supply. Now, I want to really talk to you on this. How many believe that when God promises something, he's going to do it? I said, how many believe when God promises you something, he's going to do it? No, you don't. No. No. We say we do, and we probably do in notion, but our actions prove completely 100% different. Amen. I'll say it myself, uh, because Chip's guilty of it too. God promised you that he'll take care of you. He said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. He said, you'll never see the righteous or his seed begging bread. Amen. Oh, Lord, am I helping anybody already? And God said, I'm going to supply your need according to my riches and glory. Then why is it that we're going out there trying to supply our own needs? Why is it as God chose us to supply things in our life, we try to make other things happen. Let me explain what I'm talking about. God, when he told Elijah, he said, I want you to go to Cherith, and I want you to go to the brook of Cherith. Wonder why God didn't send him to a lake or a river. Never thought about it. He said it was right before Jordan. He could have went to the Jordan River and stayed out there at the Jordan River, and he'd have never had to leave after three and a half years until the Jordan River didn't never dry up. But God sent him to the brook of Cherith and said, that's where I want you to be. And he had a promise and a supply and that brook of Cherith was just a little, little ravine where water run through it. Why is it that God chose to supply him a brook and not a river or not a lake? Why? Because, get this, write it down in your notes, brooks dry up before lakes and rivers do. Mm, I'm, I'm stepping in deep now. Hear me. Brooks will dry up long before a river and a lake dries up. God's source of supply and promise in your life will always dry up. It will always dry up. Because God wants to keep you to the point to where you are wholly 100% dependent on Him Believing in His guidance and believing in His promises. Now He provided him water by that brook in a natural way. But He also provided him food in a supernatural way. So God's source is always natural and it's always supernatural. But they both will dry up. And what's going on in the church is that we got this song, let's say, that was our source of our movement and our anointing that we had 10 years ago, and we're still are singing that one song over and over and over again, trying to get God back to do something that He'd done 20 years ago. Help me, Lord. Everybody's listening on me now. But it's the truth, ain't it? Lord, I, I had this breakthrough, when I read Psalm 91 100 times, in, in my, and I'm going to read it 100 times, a day and Lord, you're gonna bring me that breakthrough. Sometime God will dry up that thing. Smile over here. Y'all bother me sometimes don't smile. <laughs> so God will put you in a place where He's gonna supply your need, but that's gonna dry up. And when it dries up, let me explain something to you. How many of you would keep trying to get water out of a well if you knew it was drawn dried up? Would anybody be out there still trying to prime a water pump when you know there ain't no water in the ground? Well, then why do we do that spiritually? We still do it. So so we really don't have a lot of faith in God's promises. We don't have a lot of faith in what God says that He's going to do. We don't have a lot of faith in His supply. Because what God wants to do is when it dries up, He wants you to move. Now, notice this. Elijah wasn't sitting out there at that, that brook for a year, let's say, and going out there, and all of a sudden one day they want no water. You know what was going on? Darlene, every day, he was getting up. And he was walking out there, and he was sticking his measuring rod in it, and he was saying, hmm, it's an inch lower today than it was yesterday. Then on Friday, he'd go out and he'd measure and say, hmm, it's a half inch lower than it was three days ago. Then another day, out he goes, hmm, it's another half inch lower. And as time was going on, the brook was slowly drying up. Now, 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 I watch people in the church, James, when God starts drying up a place that He's been giving them their supply and their promises with, they start going berserk. Someone say, Amen, it's the truth. Amen. Start going berserk. Oh, oh, my Lord. They're laying off at the job. I don't (laughs) know what I'm going to do. I ain't got no job. Well, he don't pay no unemployment, so I ain't going to have no unemployment. I ain't going to be able to have no job, and it's dried up. God allowed that brook to dry up to build Elijah's faith. Because he didn't just walk out there in one day, and the water was gone. It dried up over a period of time. He said, after it came to pass, after a while. So God let some time pass to check on some things to prepare you to where he can get your character right so that he can use you in the next phase of his plan. So this situation that you've been going through, I hope this is helping somebody, these things that you've been going through, God's been chiseling on your character so you will have faith in him even though you see and things dry up right before your eyes. It's hard sometimes when you got 150 people on the roll of the church, and they come in over a period of a whole year, and you count 150 when you. The phone. oh yeah, that's my church, and then you open up the church and 12 people come, it's hard to still stand there and watch things dry up and still believe that God's got something for you, but I got news for you, I got the faith and belief that God's still the God he said he was when he spoke, he said what he was going to speak, and I believe that he's got his promise, and he's going to supply and do exactly what he wants to do, and all I can pray is, Lord, when you're ready for me to move, let me have enough of faith to move with you, Amen. Yeah. Mm. I hope I'm helping some people tonight. Amen. Amen. So he gave him a supernatural source. He gave him a natural source. And then in verse 5 and 6, he tested his obedience. This was one of the biggest tests of all. He said, All right, Elijah, you've been hiding. He said, I want you to go to Jezebel's hometown. I've commanded a widow there to take care of you. He had already stood before Ahab. He knew that all of Israel was looking for him. He knew exactly what was going on. And God took and said, I'm sending you right in the pit of hell. You're going to be right at the throne of Jezebel's daddy. And I'm sending you there. And while you're there, I'm going to protect you and a widow woman is going to minister into you and I want to see if you're going to be obedient to it. The brook began to dry up and it dried up because what God commanded you as your source in your life will always dry up. Drying up is a process. It takes a little bit of time. It do not just happen overnight. What Elijah didn't realize let me explain that. What Elijah realized that we don't realize is that while he was there on the brook of Cherith, the ravens was coming feeding him. The water was dried up. God was answering his prayer. You see, well, there's times we go and we ask God to do something for us. And God begins to do it and we get excited about it. And then things start happening to us to cause us pain. And the source that God has given us the blessing starts to dry up. Y'all with me tonight? And God speaks again. And all of this was happening because Elijah prayed that God would save Israel. And Elijah prayed, according to James, that it wouldn't rain until he said it was going to rain. Turn to your neighbor, look at him tonight so I put it in my own words, look at him tonight, and say, What you've been going through is because you prayed for it. Then. Hmm. Oh, I just gave you a revelation if you're granted. We don't understand it sometimes. We we gotta praying to the Lord, Lord do this, Lord do this, Lord do this, Lord do this. Lord, do this. Lord, do this. But God's got to keep your character in line so when it is time for you to move, that He can use you. And you start living life as your sources dry up, as God tests you, and it all happens because you prayed for it. What happened to Elijah? He prayed for it. James said he was a man that prayed for it not to rain. Y'all following me now? And God said in the last days, and this is where it comes together here tonight, He said in the last days, He said I'm going to send you the spirit and the power of Elijah before the great and the notable day of the Lord. So in our time... What we are praying for is coming to pass. You see, God's giving me a revelation. I've been going to the Lord, you know, and I, I spoke about this Sunday night a little bit. I told everybody here Sunday night, I said, it's hard sometimes when you, as a, as a preacher, to hold on to your faith and just keep preaching the Word and all this stuff as everything is going on, and you feel like you're a bad pastor, and you feel like people ain't listening to you, and you're hurting people and all this stuff. And, and I talked about all that there, but the Lord began to give me a revelation. He said, well, the reason why a lot of this has happened is because you prayed for it. You asked me for it. And the only way that I can use you through it is to keep you to the point to where when I do speak, your ear is open so that I can hear you. you can, I can hear what does say of God, and once I receive it, I'm obedient to do what God wants me to do, and I will not back up in it, and I will go where God wants me to go, regardless of where it's at. And that's where God is going to carry His church. Amen. That's right. Amen. So a lot of the things you go through in life is because you prayed for it. Is that a revelation to some people up here? If it is, just shake your head like this. Can you see the truth now? God is wanting to get us to the point to where we can leave it alone and let God work on it while he's keeping us prepared so that when it is time for it to have our Mount Carmel experience, we're ready to do what God wants us to do. There's some of you understand, my oh boy, she's been praying for some people to get saved for a long time. Amen. You believe the Lord's going to save them, don't you? That's a good thing. But one thing we may be guilty of is we keep our fingers in it. When God said you got to step out of it. You don't know, have to tell a drunk he's a drunk. He knows he's a drunk. You ain't got to tell a no that he's a no He knows he's a no but God said, there's got to be a famine of my word before I can turn the nation. And what God has done right now is he's took the people that he's going to anoint with them, the spirit, the power of Elijah, and he's poured them out and said, it's not right time yet. But well, let me share it with you, church the more that we be obedient with the Lord and allow the Lord to use us when it is time for his word to come to us, we're going to hear him and we're going to be able to send the onslaught of hell uh, against hell and destroy what hell has been trying to do in our life and we're going to walk out of it victorious. In other words, what I come to tell you tonight is what's going on in your life if you look at it in a spiritual aspect is God's working to bring the end result of the prayer you've been praying for him to come. You see, God will bless you financially, but a lot of times you got to go through and learn that that source that he gave you, he gave it to you. That's right. That man didn't give it to you. It was not that man that paid your bills each month. It was God that did it. And once you start understanding that, God will give you more because God said, well, those that I give little to and they are faithful to, I'll give much to later on. So I want to share with you a little more tonight. God has given us a little bit. I want you to turn around, look at a little bit, and say, Hey little bit. God's given us a little bit. And these little bits can come together in-